Welcome to New York. This is, is the Devil's Devil State, State of Mind podcast, podcast, brought to you brought by to you the Hockey, Hockey Podcast, podcast Network. Network. Now here's now your host, host, Neil Villapiano! What is going on, Devils fans? It is, as always, your host, your best friend, your confidant, your number one source, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network as well as Sportswire Radio, the best place to get everything you need to know about your new Jersey Devils. As always, guys, I hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you're listening to this podcast episode. Thank you guys, as always, for taking time out of your day to check these episodes out. You guys already know, you know, from the bottom of my heart, how much I greatly appreciate, you know, all of your guys' love and support and everything you guys have uh, done to help make Devil's State of Mind podcast what it is today. So thank you guys, as always. This podcast episode and everything we do here at the Hockey Podcast Network are sponsored by our wonderful friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook Guys. We are about to start the Sweet 16 of the NCAA Men's College and Women's College Basketball Tournaments. Baseball is about a week away. We are just two, three weeks away from the start of the NHL and NBA playoffs. So with all of these exciting events going on, DraftKings, as you know, is your number one place to get in on all of the huge cash prizes. So if you want to get a little bit of extra money for yourself, I got a deal for you. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Sign up. Use our promo code THPN. And as always, tell them that Neil Villapiano sent you. Also, please make sure to gamble responsibly. Once again, a big thank you and shout out to our sponsors at DraftKings Sportsbook for sponsoring the Hockey Podcast Network as well as the Devil's State of Mind podcast. Devils fans, I got a pretty action-packed episode for you today. In terms of game recaps, there's only one to recap, and that was Tuesday night's game against the Minnesota Wild, so we will obviously recap how that game went. The second thing I want to bring up, which I think is definitely a major sticking point right now, is talking about the Devils' woes on the power play. Then we are going to talk about the news that dropped on Tuesday about the NHL's Newest jersey supplier, which will start in the 2024-25 season. And then lastly, we will give you a major Devils prospect update. Give you pretty much an outlook on where a lot of these guys are, how they're doing. And they have a lot, most of them have some pretty big games coming up over the next couple of weeks. And I want to give you guys all the info on that. So... As always, guys, we have a bunch to get to here on the Devil State of Mind podcast. So let's not waste any more time and get 
rolling. So let's kick things off with the Devils game back on Tuesday night against the Minnesota Wild. Devils obviously coming in on a little bit of a high after a 5-2 come from behind win over the Tampa Bay Lightning on Sunday night. Back at the Rocket, it feels like it feels like recently, and maybe it's because it's been obviously true that we haven't played a lot of home games of late. So it always feels like the Devils are at home for one game and then they're back on the road for several others. You know what I mean? But, you know, Devils at home for this one. It's definitely going to be a tough matchup against a wild team that was looking to win this game and obviously move into first place in the Central Division. And obviously the Devils, out of all the divisions in the NHL this year, have really struggled in particular with several teams in the Central Division. I can't really explain why that is, but it seems like out of all the divisions, the Central seems to have our number more than any other. Wild were coming in, obviously still without Kirill Kaprizov due to an injury. And uh, yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, I felt more than 75% confident the Devils were going to get the win, especially being at home. And I felt like, you know, scoring five goals in the last game, granted, one was an empty netter, but against the Tampa Bay Lightning, I feel like, I definitely feel like the Devils had kind of gotten out of their funk. I really, and, and it wasn't even that bad of a funk. We lost three in a row, but we didn't, you know, as I mentioned in the last episode, the sky's not falling. Like, we're still in very much good shape. The funny thing about this game is that through 40 minutes of play, there isn't much to completely discuss, except the fact that uh, this game clearly from the start was going to be about the two men between the, between the pipes, and that was Vitek Vanacek and Philip Gustafson from Minnesota. Um, they were on their game, quite frankly, from the opening faceoff. They were ready to play. And I think for Vitek, uh, if you look at now the game against Tampa and then this game, you feel definitely better about the way he's been playing overall. So I think there's a lot of positives to take from that, um, you know, with everything going on and certainly how he has struggled of late, but it seems like he is slowly but surely finding his game again. Um, as the game went on, though, I, I definitely felt like the Devils started to dominate, uh, you know, the shots on goal and the chances. I mean, they were firing everything they could on Gustafson, but he was making save after save. And granted, there were a, a good majority of those shots that kind of went just right to his chest. I didn't feel like the Devils did a good enough job of creating traffic in front of Gustafson enough. So I think that kind of definitely, um, led to part of the frustration. Uh, Jack Hughes in particular was really creating chances. He finished with 10 shots on goal alone in this game, but just could not finish. And uh, that was definitely one of the better games I've seen number 86 play of late. I still firmly believe that there is a combination of him still dealing with some form of an injury and also the fact that he's had some pretty bad puck luck of late, which at least from the puck luck perspective, that's going to you know flip you know, the other way relatively soon. Like it's not going to last the next handful of weeks, especially when we get in the playoffs. So I like, I, again, I don't think there's any reason to get, you know, completely worried. It's a little bit concerning. Yeah, absolutely. But is it time to panic or worry, you know, completely? No, that's not the way I would say it. Uh, but yeah, the, the teams would continue to battle it out. Still no score. And finally we get to the third period and early on about six minutes into the period, uh, the wild had the puck in the offensive zone. 
took a shot from the point that got that got blocked in front. Puck came to, I forgot who it was exactly, but the puck came to a Minnesota Wild player, popped up in the air. He knocked it down. It got hit to behind the net. It came out to the other side where Mason Shaw was able to get it and tuck it in just before VTech could get there on the far side, found its way into the back of the net, and the Wild grabbed the lead 1-0 early in third period. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just another one of those situations where a fortunate bounce for the other team leads to a goal. And the thing about games like this where you're in a goalie battle, that's the type of goals that you're going to have to try to get in order to win that it's going to have to be something, you know, that kind of bounces in your way and things like that. I think that's the best that's the best way to describe it, I would say. So, yeah, Wild grabbed the one nothing lead, but obviously no sense of panic, no sense of worry or anything. You know, I felt like the Devils, if they just kept pushing, that something would happen. They would keep uh, pushing. They would keep pursuing, you know, that tying goal, and Gustafson continued to stand on his head. But nearly about six minutes later, very similar to the Shaw goal, Timo Meyer gets the puck behind an end and he's able to wrap it around just before Gustafson can get there. He gets it in the back of the net and Timo Meyer, it's Timo time, baby, would tie things up at one. 35th of the year for Timo Meyer, his fourth goal as a New Jersey Devil. So he is slowly but surely finding his goal scoring prowess that he had uh, earlier this year when he was still in San Jose. So he is five away from 40. I should mention that Jack Hughes is three away from 40, so there's still plenty of time for both of these guys to be 40-goal scorers by season's end, so we'll see. But yeah, Devils get the goal, about eight minutes to go in the game, and it was just kind of curious to see, was this game going to have to go to overtime, or would one of these teams find a way to get a late goal? Well, the latter ended up happening, um, or excuse me, the latter did not end up happening as neither team could get anything else in the third period. Again, Vanacek and Gustafsson just continuing to be sharp. So the game goes to overtime. So you gain a point, uh, you move your magic number for points to clinch a playoff spot to five. And now, again, it was about going out there and trying to get the second point and get the winner in overtime. And it started with the Wild maintaining a good amount of the possession. I, I felt like that anytime the Devils had the puck, the Wild really backed up and just kind of crashed in front of the net and refused the Devils to really create a whole lot of anything. The Wild, when they had the puck, would slow things down. They were kind of, they had the, the Wild's game plan, I think, was to lull the Devils to sleep until they would catch them, um, catch them napping and then create a chance. I mean, uh, what was it? Uh, Marcus Johansson, Mojo, former Devil, right away. He cut through the defense, cut through Jesper Brad and Dougie, and got a pretty decent shot on goal. Didn't score, but that was kind of one of those things. That's how Minnesota wanted to play that overtime. They wanted to slow things down to a crawl, and then that would create maybe an opportunity if they caught the Devils um, off guard. And the Devils were able to eventually get themselves going. Gustafson and again VTech just making saves. And then we got to the pivotal point of this game. With about 10 seconds to go, Devils are coming into the zone. They got their top line out there. Jack Hughes gets the puck. He rifles one off the post. It definitely, if it didn't hit the post, that puck ends up in the back of the net. And it bounces to the sidewall and comes back out to a streaking Matt Boldy, who, despite him being pretty tired, I mean, even like it, this was not a fast breakaway. This was a slow breakaway. Dougie Hamilton, once again, 
not doing a great job defensively. Didn't even seem like he was really pushing himself completely to get back. Matt Boldy, he's coming down. The clock is ticking. At this point, we're, we're begging for the clock to expire before anything happens. But Matt Boldy, he gets a desperate backhand shot that beats Vitek Vanacek with 1.3 to go. And the Wild win the game in overtime 2-1. to one. And... That was a pretty frustrating loss. It wasn't one of those where you're going to rant and rave and you're going to you know, break stuff and drop F-bombs and all that stuff. I think you're more discouraged because you felt like the Devils, you know, in many ways deserved the game, but Philip Gustafson was phenomenal. And look, you know, the Wild, they got themselves one last chance and they made the most of it. So, you know, hats off to them. With that win, currently they are in first place in the Central Division, and uh, like I said, frustrating, but still fought to earn a point. I think, again, that's an important thing. Another playoff hockey-type game. Lindy Ruff and Nico Heischer were talking about that after the game, that you felt like, again, this is another playoff game, and this is good, even if they're not winning all of them. I know it's important to win those type of games as well for confidence boost, but I think you could still learn stuff from losing those games because look, obviously it's not meaning that you're not going to make the playoffs or you get knocked out, but it's good learning experience so that once you get into those games more familiarly um, or more consistently, excuse me, um, when you get into the playoffs, you kind of have a better idea of how things go. Once again, I mentioned before, but I mentioned again, so the Devils only got one point, so the magic number to officially clinch a playoff spot for the Devils is currently five points. Um, I know currently right now uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins are playing the Colorado Avalanche and obviously if the Penguins were to lose the game, uh, I believe the points uh, to clinch for the Devils would drop from five to three. But at the time of this recording, it is three to one Pittsburgh after two periods of play in Colorado. So uh, the Penguins have been struggling of late. Uh, Colorado seems to get their get their game back going a little bit, but uh, a three goal second period uh, is the difference so far. So we'll see if the Avalanche can maybe come out and explode in the third and try to uh, try to get the win in regulation. I mean, even if the Penguins lose uh, in overtime slash shootout, then the Devils' magic number um, moves to four. So again, ideally, you know, you would like when the Devils are not playing to obviously have other teams, uh, you know, help you out. But at the end of the day, the Devils know that they're going to eventually clinch a, you know, officially clinch a playoff spot. It's just going to be a matter of when. I would like to hope that maybe by the time we get to Saturday's game, if all goes well, you know, on Thursday and, and then obviously the Devils game on Friday, that perhaps the Devils will have an opportunity to clinch with a win at home. I think that would be great. The last time the Devils clinched the playoff berth was 17-18, second to last game, last home game of the season in in New Jersey against the Toronto Maple Leafs. That was, I was there. I was at least level. That was a phenomenal experience. And uh, I know for a lot of younger Devils fans, uh, it would be great for them to get that opportunity. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But yeah, definitely tough to lose that game. But it was one of those where you say the goalie was just on his game. Tip of the cap to Philip Gustafson, man. Not only did he play phenomenally in this one, he has really been a huge, huge, uh, reason for the Wilds' resurgence over the last couple of weeks. 
Uh, he stopped 47 of the 48 shots he faced against the Devils, and he, he really has in many ways saved the Minnesota Wild season. He's 18-9-5 right now with a 2.04 goals against average and a .932 save percentage. And although he hasn't played enough games to earn the chance to be considered for the Vesna Trophy, I still think the way he's been playing over the last month and change, I think he's earned a little bit of nod there. Not saying that he should win the Vesna by any means, but I think he should be recognized more. So, again, tip your cap to Philip Gustafson, played a hell of a game. Wild man, you know, what are you going to do? It's it's one of those losses where it's like, all right, it sucks, it's frustrating, but still got a point. The boys played really, really hard, and I think they uh, can take a lot of positives from that as they move forward to Friday's game. Um, you know, gained a point on the Rangers because the Rangers ended up losing in regulation at home to the Carolina Hurricanes. So it was kind of good news, bad news situation. So the Devils are now uh, two points behind Carolina for first in the Metro. Again, Carolina has two games in hand, so they played two fewer. Uh, but the Devils are now six points ahead of the Rangers for second in the Metro. So have a still little pretty solid cushion, but obviously like to get it more. Uh, for the first time in about a month, the Devils will have two days off. They did not play uh, on Wednesday. Guys, you're listening, you know, at the time of this recording, and they're not playing uh, Thursday either. So this is a good opportunity for a lot of these guys to rest a little bit, you know, relax and get themselves ready here for these last, you know, 11 games or so. And, you know, try to, you know, rack up as many points and wins as you can and keep moving forward. And uh, as I mentioned in my last episode, but I'll give you another update. Devils rest of the week. Uh, they're in Buffalo on Friday. Definitely some place where the Devils have struggled over the last couple of years, but we'll see what they can do against the Sabres in this one. And then the very next night, so again, third consecutive week in which we have a back-to-back, they will be at home on Saturday night against the Ottawa Senators. So they won't be playing Sunday, so at least that's a little bit of a uh, good thing. But, you know, again, first of a back-to-back after two days off. Hopefully the rest will help this Devils team kind of refocus and go from there. So bottom line, tough loss, but fought really well, played particularly very well. And uh, hopefully they can continue to play like that because eventually that type of play is going to translate into goals, which will obviously get us going back to where we were before. So I wanted to talk about this um, because clearly this has been a topic of discussion throughout uh, the Devils fandom and on social media in particular. And uh, I think it's a very good thing to bring up. And that is simply this. The Devils clearly need an overhaul on the power play. I can't stress that enough. When you look at the first power play unit with Dougie, Jack, Nico, Timo, Brett, you would think that they would generate five, six, seven, eight shots per power play and ultimately get some goals. Well, that has not really been the case of late. That has just not been. And the Devils power play, for lack of a better term, has been really crappy over the last couple of weeks, despite it still being a top 15, 16 uh, ranked power play, which again is like, I, I'd like to see how the worst power play in the NHL uh, performs on a night-to-night basis, because uh, it's really weird. Um, there's a couple points that, uh, you know, friend of the podcast and former guest and NJ.com writer Ryan Novozinski kind of wrote in an article he posted on Wednesday morning um, that I wanted to kind of read and shed some light on um, talking about the devil's power plates. Great article, by the way, I highly recommend go getting it and go checking it out. 
On three opportunities versus Minnesota, New Jersey's man advantage unit failed to score. Tally just six total shots and didn't register a single high danger chance. I think that's probably the biggest issue is that even when they're getting shots, none of them are really going to be a, what I call, what he calls high danger chances, I call A plus opportunities. That's the way I look at it. Uh, since Timo Meyer made his debut on March 5th, the Devils have four power play goals, three of which have come from the second unit with guys like Dawson Mercer and Tomas Tatar and guys like that. So it's sort of good that your second power play unit is producing, but it's bad considering how, you know, overstacked in terms of talent there is in that first power play. You're not getting it. And again, the things that are driving me nuts are we're passing the puck too much. I feel like guys are being too passive in general and we're getting way too bunched up on one side or the other. And I think also just the way we enter the zone, we're way too predictable. And the other thing, and this, this is a very big thing, the Devils really struggled to win that opening faceoff when the power play starts. And then immediately the puck gets cleared and they have to go back and restart. They need to find a way. Even if it requires sticking Michael McLeod on that first power play unit to win faceoffs or even Eric Halla, like that is what I, you know, I get that. Like that's the way I look at it there. So, um, two against, uh, two of those three goals against and the 15th fewest ADCF in the NHL at 15. Um, it's, it's not good. The Devils are not as aggressive as they should be. I mean, the Devils power play has been an issue for years. And you would think with a guy like Andrew Burnett, you know, you know, taking the raids with the offense and even Lindy Ruff's offensive capabilities, you would think that things would get better, especially adding Timo Meyer to it. And just hasn't been the case. Just has not been the case. As Lindy Ruff mentioned, the logjam of left-handed shooters is a glaring weakness. Uh, Dougie Hamilton is the only right-handed shooter on the first unit, which has created scheming problems with the coaching staff. Um, you know, I, I can, I totally get that. Makes sense, and that's where you have to make some of those difficult changes. Where maybe you got to separate some of the guys on the top power play unit and bring them down to the, the second, and uh, you know, vice versa. I think that's you know, creating a little bit more of a balance because then I think you might be able to find some connections. Ruff did tease placing Dawson Mercer on the first unit, which I think would be a really good idea. So comprised of Hamilton, Meyer, Jesper, Brad, Jack Hughes, and Nico Heischer last week, but he has yet to do so in a game. I definitely would like to hope that maybe the Buffalo game will be the first opportunity to do so. I think having at least two uh, right-handed shooters, perhaps even three, I think would go a long way. So I think in that case, if you're asking me, who would I move down from the uh, first unit to the second unit and have Mercer come up, I think I would probably, and this is kind of hard to hard to look at, but I, I think you'd probably go with Jesper Bratt. I know Bratt of late has been playing really well. He got the hat trick uh, against uh, Tampa, but you know, again, he's still very much Jekyll and Hyde. So I think moving him down to that second unit to create a little bit more balance of scoring and balance of speed, I think will go a long way. And I think Mercer has uh, earned, earned the right uh, to play up at the top unit, especially when he had that crazy streak. I think it's possible. Mercer uh, has 11 points this month and nine points, two goals, seven assists on the power play this season. Most of it being on that second power play unit. So the bottom line that I'm trying to say here, guys, is simply this changes need to be made. You need to balance out 
You need to A, balance out the line, make some changes, make some switches. The second thing, you got to tell these guys, I'm talking about Lindy Ruff and Andrew Burnett, you got to tell these guys to just throw as much as you possibly can on the net. We're thinking too much. We're spending too much time looking for the beauty shot. It's not there. If we just keep firing, firing, and firing it at the net, number one, good things happen when you put the puck in the net. Number two, it's going to create a lot more chaos, which could lead to a dirty, grimy goal. And also, it may set up beauty shots because then the defense is scrambling around trying to keep up with the devil's speed. So those are the two things I want to, or the three things I want to see under. The third thing I want is to stop bunching up on one side. Spread it out. Move around. Try to make something instead of waiting for one guy to do something. So we got to do that. So those are the three things I want to say about the power play. It definitely needs an overhaul. And you got 11 games, including the game on Friday against Buffalo, to you know make changes and to test things. And I think this is a good point in the season to do so. The biggest tournament in college basketball is underway. And the action is just getting started on DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any pregame money line bet and score $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Plus, combine multiple bets for a shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings will be featuring parlays and odds boasts all tournament long. So be sure to check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day to see what they have in store. And there's so many different really awesome games that are happening this upcoming Sweet 16. You have some underdog picks, particularly teams like Princeton and FAU. And even, despite Tom Izzo being the head coach, even Michigan State is a team that people are unsure about but could be primed to get major upsets moving forward. So, with all that going on, I have an offer for you. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with promo code THPN. Right now, new customers can bet $5 on any pregame money line bet and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Now, the third thing I wanted to talk about was another thing that a lot of people had a, a pretty negative opinion on, myself included, was... Uh, the announcement that the NHL made on Tuesday about its new jersey supplier, um, which will start in the 2024-25 season. So the National Hockey League has a new official on-ice jersey supplier, and quite frankly, a lot of the fans are not happy about it at all. Uh, and they have chosen Fanatics as the next jersey supplier, which has long manufactured NHL fan apparel for the last handful of years, signed a 10-year deal with the NHL to become its authentic outfitter of on-ice uniforms, starting with the 2024-25 season. And Fanatics will take over for Adidas, who announced earlier this year that after the 2023-24 season, they will no longer be associated with the NHL. They have been the jersey supplier since 2017, so a very short uh, period. And uh, it quite frankly did not take a lot of us very long to share the thoughts about the deal on social media. A lot of people pointed out consistent quality control issues, pre-existing Fanatics NHL merchandise. And um, while others criticize the optics, seemingly, I think seemingly it's a downgrade. Uh, it really feels like a downgrade. The jerseys are very poorly made, very cheaply made. I have a Fanatics jersey myself and it's not the greatest thing in the world. I'm not quite frankly, that 
happy about it. Um, there's a lot of times where the, the jerseys come in and they're like half torn or they're misspelled or they look, they just, it just seems like a lot of laziness, quite frankly. So yeah, it, it's not great. Um, I did get this quote from the Daily Faceoff from former NHL player Mike McKenna, who actually played, uh, I think he played during the time when they had the NHL went through two or three jersey suppliers. So he's he's had a pretty good idea. So this is what he said. Quote, this is one of those under the surface topics that to me is a big deal. Like fanatics, that's not the same as Nike. It just seems Mickey Mouse. It seems a minor league. There's no way around it. And I think about the players who are probably going, fanatics? What? Don't they make replica jerseys? I guarantee the players are thinking, these things better be decent quality. The Adidas jersey, they were a step forward. They were breathable. They were flexible. They worked pretty well. Mixed back previous to that, but at least Adidas carried some weight. And I think more than anything, no matter how much money the NHL is bringing in in terms of revenue, it does show that it's still, at least in the United States, a second-tier niche sport. That's what this means. You didn't get a bid from Nike or Reebok or Adidas or any of these big companies. You had to go to the second class, which is a replica apparel company, and you hope it works out. So we'll see how it goes. I'm sure it'll eventually be fine, but man, it sure wasn't going over well on social media today, and I don't think it will amongst a lot of fans or players. That's probably the most damning thing, that the NHL got one bid. One offer, and that was from Fanatics, who they already had a relationship with. Adidas doesn't want to be involved anymore. They said they don't. They said in a statement that they don't want to be involved in hockey very much anymore. Nike, who at one point was a sponsor, doesn't want to be involved in hockey anymore. And Reebok, which is owned by Adidas, Adidas bought Reebok, is also not going to be involved. So that's three major companies that are like. I want out. I personally was hoping that Nike slash Jordan brand would come in because seeing what they do with college football, with the NBA and all that stuff, and even hockey and the Olympics, I said to myself, this is a great opportunity, especially getting the younger generation in to be more interested. Now you're going to go with a second class type of company. Knowing how many people have been negative about Fanatics since they've been involved in the NHL and, and how poorly a lot of the things are, especially with the breakaway jersey, um, this is not really good at all. Um, I'm not very confident that things are going to be good. I'm very worried about it. Uh, but obviously, only time will tell. At the end of the day, the NHL took the most money and took the, took the best offer. And unfortunately, that was their only option. There was no other bid. So that's kind of a red flag there that more and more companies are disassociating themselves from the game of hockey. And that falls a lot squarely on Gary Bevin. Now there's a lot of other ways that he has, you know, helped the game grow and obviously make money, but we all have our opinions of Gary Bettman, mine included. I'm not a fan of his. Um, so it sucks. One thing also is that uh, we won't really know the real, real on ice repercussions until probably at least the 2026, 27 season when, and then Fanatics said this in the same when the first batch of significant changes can make their way onto players' backs. So I don't know how things are going to look. I mean, we obviously know what they're going to look like next year. Next year will be the last year for Adidas, and then it'll be interesting in 2024-25 what Fanatics ends up doing. So only time will tell, but clearly not the biggest fan of this.
really kind of disappointed, sad, frustrated, pissed off, honestly, a little bit. And uh, Fanatics, if you're listening to this, you better do a damn good job or this partnership is not going to last long. I can guarantee you that. So the last thing I want to talk about on this episode for you guys is the Devil's Prospect Update. We got a big one for you. So a bunch of guys have huge games coming up over the next couple of weeks. And we'll start in college and we'll start with one university in particular because the Devils have a handful of guys on that team. And that is the University of Michigan. The most notable game is between Michigan and Colgate, which will be played in Allentown, Pennsylvania on Friday in the first round of the NCAA tournament for men's ice hockey. The Devils prospects Luke Hughes, Seamus Casey, and Ethan Edwards all play critical roles on the Wolverines' blue line. The Wolverines are coming in as the third seed going into it, and they were obviously looking to improve upon losing in the semifinals uh, at last year's Frozen Four. And the winner of the Michigan Colgate game will take on the winner of Penn State Michigan Tech on Sunday. And this year's Frozen Four will take place between April 6th and 8th in Amelie Arena in Tampa Bay, Florida. Clearly, all the eyes and everything is going to be on Luke Hughes. Um, last week, he was named All Big Ten Team. Uh, Casey, James Casey, was named to the All Big Ten Rookie Team. And again, as Dan McKinnon, Assistant General Manager, and even Fitzgerald brought it up himself, um, whether it's going to be with the Devils or Utica, uh, Luke Hughes is immediately going to be a professional hockey player when his season comes to an end. Um, he will have turned, if you can believe this, he's not even 20 yet, which is crazy. Um, and he had 39 points last year, and he has 42 points this year. So in terms of points, he's actually having a pretty good season so far. Um, he po- he went he had 70 goals, 22 assists um, in 41 games in his freshman season. Um, and he flipped his stat line as he's scoring nine times, adding 36, 33 assists in 36 games so far. So he's obviously slowly but surely improving. And again, we will see, hopefully sooner rather than later, uh, Luke Hughes joining the New Jersey Devils organization. Now, talking about some other college prospects, uh, we'll talk really quickly about some unfortunate situation with Devils draft pick Case McCarthy. Uh, he was taken 118th overall in the fourth round in 2019 by the Devils. He currently plays for Boston University, but he was injured in the Hockey East semifinal game against Providence on Friday at TD Garden. And, um, you know, luckily, he's going to be able to make a full recovery, uh, but I think his season is pretty much done, which is unfortunate. Uh, Devil's Prospect and one of the first guys to ever be a guest on the podcast, Artem Schlain, currently at Northern Michigan, and Patrick Moynihan, a good friend of Jack Hughes and currently playing at Providence, and their teams unfortunately fell one stop short of the national tournament uh, after losing overtime games last week in their conference play, so their season's are pretty much over. Samu Salmanen, a center in his first year, he went. He's currently at the University of Connecticut or UConn. He was eliminated earlier in the tournament in an overtime loss to Moynihan's uh, Providence Friars. Salmanen turns 20 next month and saw his uh, season start late due to visa issues, but had a good freshman campaign. He had nine goals and added eight assists in 27 games. So we will see how he continues to progress. So that is the college players that are you know prospects wise for. Uh, the New Jersey Devils. Now, let's shift over to the junior ranks, WHL, OHL, and QMJHL. Uh, the Canadian Junior Leagues, or the, uh, you got to talk about the uh, the Junior Leagues, Josh Philman clearly 
has had a phenomenal year playing for the Swift Current Broncos. 45 goals to sit among the Western Hockey League leaders. He was a sixth-round pick in last year's draft, 166th overall. Turned 19 this past week, so happy late birthday. Um, the Broncos, though, are struggling in the standings, and there's a possibility that they may miss out on the playoffs, which is unfortunate. Filling in the Broncos' playoff fate will be determined after this week's slate of games, so we'll see what happens. The Broncos missed the postseason. Josh Millman could very well decide to become a pro and join the Utica Comets for a late season push and potentially even a playoff uh, appearance. Uh, goaltender Ty Brennan, who's currently playing for the Prince George Tigers, and his team will open the WHL playoffs against the Tri-City Americans. Uh, Brennan has a 2.89 goals against average and just below 900, but a .895 save percentage. He's had an up-and-down year. Um, he is still the number one guy in net for the Cougars, um, which also includes Vancouver Canucks draft pick Ty Young. So uh, the WHL playoffs will begin on March 31st, less than 10 days from now. Chase Stillman, as we all know, that quote-unquote controversial late first-round pick, 20th overall back in 2021. He just returned from being injured. He's currently playing for the Peterborough Peets. They're likely headed with a first-round playoff clash with the defending OHL champion Hamilton Bulldogs. Uh, this is final junior season. Has 19 goals, 27 assists in 50 games. And he also missed time with a suspension that he earned uh, last year. And now we go finally here to Europe. And we got two guys that we're going to talk about. First guy is Finnish defenseman Tapias Veland. He's playing for the Pelicans in the Finnish league. He's currently playing in Liga. That's what it's called. Quarterfinal series. Veland taken in the fifth round, one of the 29th overall two years ago. Had something of a breakout year with nine goals and eight assists in 41 games. His third with the team based in his hometown of Lati. In an interview with uh, Sam Kassan, a good friend of ours, earlier this season for a website, Veland, who turns 20 next week, says that he plans on coming to North America after this season. So um, it'll be interesting to see uh, if he maybe plays a couple games in Utica uh, later this year. So we will see how far he goes in the playoffs. We're wishing nothing but the best, and we'll see how things progress. And that, the man that everybody other than Luke Hughes, is excited about and wants to talk about is Arseny Gritsiak. He's currently playing for Avangard Omsk in the KHL. They are taking part in a conference semifinal series against Magnik Ogorsk. I really hope I said that correctly. Gritsiak, he was taken 129th overall two years before Vilan, so he has been a devil's prospect for several years now. 129th overall. And he had a 40-point regular season this past year and has scored three times in his last five games so far in the KHL playoffs. He got off to a slow start this year, but as the season progressed, really did well. He's 22 years of age. He also helped Russia win a silver medal at the 2022 uh, Olympics. Russia will not be taking part in this year's World Hockey Championships for the second consecutive season per the IIHF sanctions against the country against this country uh, due to the war in Ukraine. Um, it also affects uh, potentially Yegor Sharangovich if he plays in the World uh, Championship. So that's kind of that. So, yeah, a lot of good stuff happening with a lot of really good prospects. There's obviously more that we didn't get to, but those are some of the relatively well-known and also pretty big names. And uh, 
We'll see how these guys continue to progress and how much more they'll be able to represent the New Jersey Devils in wherever they play. So good luck to all of them. We're excited to see them continue to progress and get better as hockey players.